Hello, everyone, and welcome to Kel on Earth Revisited, where you will travel with me, Kelly Karg, back through my life and musings as I celebrate the milestone of a hundred chapters of the original blog. I have started from the beginning and continue to move through 16 years of observations as I find my voice and my place in the world and reflect on who that person was. So come with me. 18 months after I began this project into part seven, as I celebrate the achievement of longevity and literacy. Part seven, chapter three, Babillar, September, 2014. Reading of history is never the same as really feeling the warm breath of history. This sense of empathy needed to put hearts and souls and faith into the experiences of the past is fleeting when one tries to remember exact dates and walk only through the galleries erected in the shadow of the past. Perhaps this is why we are profoundly affected by mounds of hair and piles of discarded clothing. These are the last shed remnants before souls shed bodies unwillingly and with the last hope of humanity in cruel, likely indifferent faces disappearing with the report of a revolver. It has been 73 years this weekend since the massacre at Babillar, where 33,771 Jewish residents of Kyiv were led to their death, told that this was their last chance to leave the city before deadly actions were taken. They were instructed to get to the Jewish cemetery, then near the outskirts of town to be transferred west. When they got there, they were gradually told to strip themselves of all their remaining possessions and dignity and either stand on the edge of the ravine or, after a while, climb down and lie on top of other bodies as they were shot already in their graves. It was a day like today, likely with a breathtaking sunrise, a crisp chill to the air as the leaves were beginning to fall from trees. I walked the same cobblestone streets and kept my brain focused on the very real fact that these murdered citizens of Kyiv would have packed up their belongings, nervous for travel, scared of the trust that they had put into this unknown Nazi entity after 10 years of fear brought about by Stalin, and walk with layers of clothes and bundles of food to the north side of town. Some of them may have noticed the beauty of the city this time of year, even that of the cemetery they were ominously walking towards, though most of them were likely trying to fight their nerves as there was a mass exodus of free people walking toward the promise of relocation. Harm could not possibly come to all of us, and on Yom Kippur, besides, they likely thought, as never before in this conflict with the Germans had so many died so quickly. So we went to Babayar, 73 years later, we went to pay our respects to those who were tossed in a ravine, covered up, then dug up and burned when the end of the war was threatening to reveal the Nazi methods. 
We went by metro to the stop where, on one side, a man-made ravine and a massive statue of writhing pain represented the Soviet cost of that grave, with up to 180,000 people who were Romani, Ukrainian, and Russian prisoners of war, even patients of a local psychiatric hospital. Here is where the memorial stands, though not where the lives were taken. We moved to the other side of the metro and found a beautiful park where mothers were ca- with carriages were out pushing their infants, friends strolled, and kids played football. The sun was shining, and my heart became more and more heavy. Every person I've ever cared about doesn't number that initial 33,771. Every person in my life who I would wish great things for, along with people I didn't know, but wouldn't wish harm to, would be led to this place to be gotten rid of so that we would not take food from the mouths of the more important. 33,771 individual lives, not lost, taken, pushed, buried in the passing of less than 48 hours. We made it to the top of the ravine, an area now covered in maple and birch, and saw little but a menorah erected for those specific first victims of this cleft in the earth. The area is thick with trees now, and I wonder if this was purposeful, as all the pictures I have seen were of bare earth surrounding the rift. Were the trees for healing or for hiding? For protection or for gentrification? It's now so quiet and a place where an Orthodox church sits, where running paths zigzag through the foliage. There are indicative crosses that mark the path on the edge, and a scramble down leads some of us to a likely unwise decision to view this hell from below. And yet, there are maintenance buildings and other evidence of human intervention, so as at the top, we are left with a sense that these old remnants are viewed as decorations to modern life rather than revered sites, at least to locals. The fertile ground beneath my feet could not convince me of this view, however. I felt sad and guilty for treading where I shouldn't. And at the same time, I was arrested by the beauty of the place. People who have been to Auschwitz have said as much, that it is almost too much to comprehend that such beauty could be a place housing such unimaginable human suffering. The sunlight filtered through the leaves and spider's filament, the fallen branches of aged trees remind us that this human event was many seasons ago. Still so quiet, however. Birds and insects had their daily tasks but did not seem to go about them with enthusiasm, though I'm pretty sure the quiet was in the solitude of my thoughts and not theirs. I left that place with the smell of old, dense forest in my lungs and the dark, fertile soil under my fingernails. I walked down the path at somewhat a brisk pace to meet with friends for lunch, and so it goes. Life continues to move. I left, however, with a sense that it was okay that I saw beauty in so much that day. Faith in humanity is and has been the downfall for so many. Finding joy in beauty restores that faith that goodness is somewhere still part of our lot. Babar Yar 
it is such a sad place and I, I have been to a lot of awful places um, and as tourists or as people kind of visiting so many places in the world it is it is interesting how people are drawn to cemeteries or killing grounds I think how many times I visit those that are in my neighborhood or where my own family rests and it's not only not often it's never um, so it is interesting um, for me where I struggle in going into places of worship. I find it to be rather invasive. Uh, it's like, oh, I'm Catholic. I can go into a, a Catholic church or I'm whatever. Um, but no, I feel I feel strange because I'm I'm I don't practice any religion and going in to learn. Yeah, that sounds great. But also learning as a tourist, it just there, there's a I don't know if taint is the right word. There's a, a dislocation of mm, emotion or uh, even academia. When you go into a place that has so much emotional uh, history, life, um, impact, So one does potentially feel like an interloper on somebody else's pain. And what what is always something that is told, like we, like I said, well, I didn't say here, um, Auschwitz is, I brought up. And what is that but a modern killing ground or a museum of a killing ground from that time, from this time, same time as uh, Baba Yar. And so it is, I mean, we go to educate children and, and talk about the realities of humanity and what we have experienced as a species. Mm. So going there that day, I, you, you live in Ukraine and you, you need to feel her history. Um, and I would say I didn't, I didn't feel haunted that day. I, the most haunted I've ever been in a, in a environment like that. Again, creeptacular, crazy that people go to these awful places. Phnom Penh was the, it was, it was, I've, I don't think I've ever felt the presence of, and I don't use this word lightly, evil. Uh, I don't believe, I'm not a believer in religion and like, so the idea, and as a literature teacher, the word evil, I think it's thrown around so much. It's another kind of dehumanizing term. And remembering that cruel acts and terrible acts are done by people keeps the supernatural away. 
and for me and it it allows me to remain cognizant that we can't excuse evil uh because this is a human being a human being did this thing if you declare it as evil it's taking away the human impact of these decisions anyway i felt peace at babiar which again is <laughs> because it was earth and perhaps because there there were not bones under my feet and i don't know i haven't seen but possibly i don't know what what became of the ashes after the nazis came back and dug up their handiwork it it felt very much like soil regenerating and life going on um which potentially is one of these reasons that we have these mem- memorials we have these um monuments to people whose lives have been taken because when we are there we reflect on ourselves and the world and our loved ones and our responsibilities in the world and for the world and we hope and pray that we remember the earth under our feet and the insects buzzing around and the cost of mm, ideology and fanaticism and extremism and the belief that our life is somehow more important than others and we should do something about that Mm. I'm glad I went there. I'm glad I wrote this. I want to respect those communities, all of them, not not just the Jewish population, but all of the people who were laid to rest, who were taken but going there to remember a particular population was significant um and it did it made me count every single life as sometimes these events force us to as current events are forcing us to So perhaps I get this is why these cemeteries should stand as monuments but obviously their impact is not felt because we go there to remember but then our world still looks the way that it does where we add more cemeteries and mass graves and murderers 
and I don't know how to change that, the morbidity, because I would hope that going to a place like that and seeing it would have an impact, have a big impact, but apparently we don't have enough cemeteries, and apparently we need more. dark and it's human and we need to keep reflecting on what we could do to change somehow if only you know one person at a time I suppose we at the end of the day if we are so lucky we have control to a certain extent over ourselves and hopefully that realization, that control can make a difference to somebody. So on that happy, cheerful note, I will end for today. Thank you so much for joining me here at Kel on Earth Revisited. I hope to see you next time where yet another cheerful episode begins with a Ukrainian tragedy. Chernobyl, anyone? See you there.